Our communion hymn today is Commune With Me. Isn't that right? So that's the song we'll be singing after the sermon. Commune With Me. I love that communion hymn. You too. Don't they do a wonderful job? Show them a little appreciation. They do a wonderful job. And they do a wonderful job of picking out songs that kind of that bring us into worship and bring us to the Lord. And especially love the job you do of picking out the songs that take us to the table. We have so many wonderful communion hymns that I love. I love that one that goes... Come take the bread, come drink the wine, come share, come share the Lord. That's a beautiful song. I like it when we do the uh, Amazing Grace, but it, uh, my chains are gone. You know, that's a beautiful one for communion. There's a lot of old ones I like for communion too. I, I, I just can't sing the old rugged, cro- old rugged cross without getting choked up. And, and every year for, every year for uh, Monday Thursday, we sing "Tis Midnight and on Olive's Brow," and that's that's a wonderful song. I, so many communion songs I love. One of my favorite, one of my favorite communion songs. I don't think we've ever done it here. Uh, one of my favorite ones, my most favorite, one of my most favorite communion songs. And maybe you don't know it. It goes like this: There's a port on a western bay, and it serves a hundred ships a day. Do you know this one? Lonely sailors pass the time away and talk about their homes. You're aware of that one? There's a girl in the harbor town and she works laying whiskey down. They say, Brandon, Brandon, you're aware, you know this song. (laughs) Fetch another round. She serves them whiskey and wine. Yeah, it's a communion song. You you probably didn't didn't know that Brandy's, yeah, now now that I think about it, Brandy is probably just a communion song to me. But to me, Brandy, Brandy's been a communion song for some time. Remember the church I started out preaching at Pleasant Hill? Gerald was there. Ruth would be there. And out at Pleasant Hill, they had a practice every Sunday morning before worship or before communion. The elders would get up and have a communion meditation. Now, very very simple church, very simple faith. And these men, for a communion meditation, what they would do is they would just read scripture and pray. And you could be sure, you could be guaranteed there was one of four scriptures that they would read because all that they would read were the scriptures where Jesus institutes the Lord's prayer. So you could be absolutely positive that we're either going to go to Matthew twenty six, we're going to go to Mark Mark fourteen, or we're going to go to Luke twenty two. Or once in a while, one of them would remember that in in 1 Corinthians 11, Paul repeats the institution of the Lord's Prayer. And so somebody would remember to go to 1 Corinthians 11, but you could be guaranteed they were going to go to one of those four Scriptures because when they looked for communion Scriptures, that's all that they saw. I think there's a lot more communion Scriptures than that. I think there's a lot more communion hymns than just the ones that we've used and just the ones that that are in our hymnals and just the ones that we're aware of. I think I think that... There are communion hymns that are communion hymns because they connect us. They connect us with each other. I'm indebted to a scholar by the name of Robert J. Karras. <laughs> he wrote a book called Eating Your Way Through Luke's Gospel. Now, is that not a book for me? Eating Your Way Through Luke's Gospel. And in that book, he says, in Luke's Gospel, Jesus is either going to a meal, he's at a meal, or he's coming home from a meal. And then one of my favorite books on the Gospel of Luke is by a man named Tim Chester, and the title of that one also, I love it, it's A Meal with Jesus. And he goes through all of the times when Jesus shares a meal in the Gospel of Luke, and what he shows us is that in the ministry of Jesus in the Gospel of Luke, meals are enacted grace. They are acts of grace. 
Meals are about community. Meals are about mission. And I've come to believe after reading these books that every time we encounter the table in the Gospel of Luke especially, every time we encounter the table or a meal, you need to stop and realize this is really about communion. What's really happening in that story is about communion. This is about encountering Jesus and His grace at a table. And that's true in the passage we're looking at today. Luke chapter 7, beginning in verse 36, on page 864 in those Bibles in front of you. We begin in verse 36. Luke tells us, one of the Pharisees, and a little later we'll discover this Pharisee's name is Simon. One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And Jesus went to the Pharisee's house and took his place at the table. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that Jesus was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster flask of ointment and standing behind Jesus at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Those first three verses tell us so much about what's happening in this encounter. Jesus is in the home of a Pharisee, a very proper, a very upright, a very proper man of God. And this woman appears at the table. And she appears bringing a gift. She also appears bringing, she brings her reputation to the table. And what we immediately realize is she does not belong here. She doesn't belong at this table. As Luke introduces us to her, he gives us two pieces of information about this woman. First of all, she's a woman of the city. Now, whatever else you take from that, understand this, everybody knew her. Everybody knew who she was. They, all the locals knew what she was. Now, Jesus is not a local. He's not from here. But Jesus is, they suppose, possibly Jesus is a prophet. And so if we go on into verse 34, now when the Pharisee, that's Simon, when Simon, who had invited him, saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And that's the other piece of information that we get. Luke and Simon both tell us this woman is a sinner. Luke says it in his description. Simon says it to himself. Jesus ought to know what kind of woman this is whether she's a woman of the city or a woman of the, or she, whether she would have been a woman of the country. <laughs> now, the night that Brandy became a communion song for me, it was a woman of the country. It was June 30th, my sister's birthday. June 30th, 2010. And I was at the Indianapolis airport awaiting an early morning flight the next morning. I had a choice to make. I either would get up at 2 o'clock in the morning, get ready by 3 o'clock in the morning, drive two hours to Indianapolis, sit and wait, and get on that plane first thing in the morning, or I could talk my friend Chuck into driving me over the night before. And that's what I did. I talked Chuck into driving me over. He, I filled his, car, or filled his car up with gas, and he drove me over to the airport. And I would sit there and wait overnight. I would spend the night at the airport. I had a book with me. I had my luggage all with me, I had my carry-on, and inside my carry-on I had, I had my laptop and I had a cup of coffee. I was set. There's no problem. I could definitely spend the night at the airport. How bad could it be? And that was when I met her. 
And to be honest, I never actually met her. And the first thing I did was I heard her because she was screaming mad. She was from some backwoods Indiana town. You could tell from her accent. Probably from southern Indiana somewhere. She had never been to the airport. She'd never been on a plane before. And she'd never been to the airport before. Her husband had taken, a few months earlier, her husband had taken a factory job in Wisconsin. She hadn't seen him since he left for that job. She, she missed him terribly. He had finally scraped together enough money to get her a plane ticket to get her up to visit with him and uh, to fly him up there. And so she, like me, was spending uh, the night in the airport. She was to be on the first flight to Wisconsin the next morning to go see him. And this was all new to her. She had never been here before. She was scared. And I think I should also mention she was definitely drunk. Very, very drunk. She didn't belong there. We were seasoned travelers. Why, there were businessmen. There were commuters. There was at least one preacher there at the terminal. She didn't belong with us. She didn't understand how it all worked. She didn't understand the airport. She didn't understand travel and baggage and all the little rules that the rest of us knew. All of us were relaxed. Most of us were asleep. There was one guy who was snoring so loudly. It made it almost impossible for me to read my book. Everything she did that night was completely out of place. But I think there's one thing she had on us that we didn't have. One thing she brought that the rest of us didn't bring. She was honest. She was honest about who she was. She was honest about what she needed. And she, she was honest that she was scared that night. I didn't notice that at first. In fact, it probably took me a few years to notice that woman was actually scared. I wonder about Simon the Pharisee here. Without Jesus... Would he, would he have ever noticed that this woman of the city, this sinful woman, that she wasn't afraid, that she wasn't scared? She wasn't afraid to show them who she really was. She wasn't afraid to show Jesus who, he, who she really was. She knows she's not supposed to be there, but Jesus is there. Jesus is at the table. And so she's laid everything that she has. She has laid her treasure, her fear, and her shame all at his feet. And Jesus sees it all just as he sees you and me, just as he sees what you bring to his table. Jesus sees her, but more properly, actually, Jesus doesn't see her. <laughs> Jesus can't see her. Let me explain. This is not a table like our tables today. Like if you're getting together at a restaurant today, or if you go home and have lunch with your friends, you're going to sit in a table around chairs. You're going to sit up nice and proper, and you're going to sit straight. No, no, this is a low table. In fact, verse 36 tells us that Jesus reclined at table. He was laying on his side at a low table, eating, laying on his side, and his feet are out behind him. Verse 38 told us that she was standing behind him. So no, no, Jesus doesn't see her. Jesus feels her. Jesus hears her. He feels her kissing his feet and wiping them with her tears and or putting, wetting his feet with her tears and wiping them with her hair. He feels her anointing him. But from Simon, Simon the, the Pharisee, from his vantage point, sitting at the host seat, Simon sees everything. And Simon thinks that he sees more than Jesus sees at this table. Again, verse 37, Simon thinks to himself, if this man were a prophet... 
He would have known who and what sort of woman this is who's touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And Simon answered, say it, teacher. June 30th, my sister's birthday. 2010, at the Indianapolis airport. There is one other detail you need to be aware of, and it's a detail I was aware of, and it's a detail that I think all the other travelers were aware of. The next day is July 1st, right? And that day, the rules for your baggage was going to change. In fact, that day, they were going to enact a new weight limit, a weight restriction on the baggage that you were allowed to bring on the plane. And I knew about this. I had read up on this. I was prepared. And when I was at home getting ready to leave, I would pack my bag and I would weigh it. And then I would take some stuff out and I would weigh it again. I had enough room. I knew I had enough wiggle room. My bag was light enough and I probably could bring home a few souvenirs when I was coming back. I was going to be all right. She apparently didn't know about that. And so she sat on the floor with her luggage opened up, angry, scared, and still very drunk. And all of the contents of her luggage were scattered for everyone to see. And she's sitting there wondering very loudly, what do I throw away? What do I do without? And that's when the cops showed up. <laughs> I'm of the impression this was not the first time she had ever talked to the police. They asked her if there was a problem, and she got louder. She told them the whole story. This is the first time I've ever been on an airplane. This is the first time I've ever been in the airport. I'm going to see my husband, and I have to take all of my baggage out now. The cops were very kind, and they politely and firmly told her that she needed to be calm. They told her that she could not be disrupting the other passengers, and if she continued to disrupt them, they would escort her out of the airport, and she would not be getting on her plane. One of the officers came around with a flashlight and shined them in the lights of all of us, shined them in the eyes of all of us passengers. Mine were the only ones that were open. <laughs> and he said, "Is everything okay?" And I wanted to say, "No, she's nuts. Get her out of here." But I said, "It's just been a rough night for her. I think she's going to be okay." The cops left. And her anger turned into sobs, and her sobs turned into sniffles, and she got very, very quiet. And that's when I first heard it very, very quietly. She began to sing, There's a port on a western bay, and it serves a hundred ships a day, lonely sailors. And she began to sing Brandy over and over again all night long she comforted herself by singing brandy luke tells us she's a woman of the city and that she's a sinner simon confirms that she is a woman of the city she is a sinner did you notice they never told us what her sin was though they didn't tell us what kind of sinner she is is she a prostitute we don't know they don't say is she a drunk and say, is she a glutton? Doesn't tell us that she's a glutton. The ointment she has is very expensive. Maybe she's a thief. Maybe she's stolen it. Or maybe she's greedy and she's kept it. She hoarded it all these years. Would it make it better if she's a thief instead of a prostitute? You know, more to the point, we don't need to know. 
We don't need to know what water's sin was. And, and more to the point, it's none of your business. It's none of my business. It's none of our business. You see, knowing the details of someone's sin does not tell you a thing about how to value that person. Knowing the details of someone's sin does not tell you their value. It doesn't tell you what they're worth or what they're not worth. You know their value when you understand how Jesus loves them and that He loves them just like He loves you. Again, verse 40, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, say it, teacher. A certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. And when they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now, which of them will love him more? And Simon answered, the one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And Jesus said to Simon, you have judged rightly. And Simon finally sees what Jesus has seen all along. The one who has been forgiven much loves much. That's what's happening at the table. And that's what happens when we offer the love of Jesus to those that we meet at His table. Our tables are high. Jesus' table is low. It would also do us well to remember something very important. Tables don't always look like tables, do they? Tables don't always look like tables. One Sunday morning, we had a door. Remember that? We had a door here, and we took communion off of a door to remind ourselves that Jesus opens the way not only for us to go to the Father, but Jesus opens the way for us to come to each other and to be honest and to be real before each other. During COVID, some of you had communion on kitchen tables, didn't you? Some of you had communion on coffee tables. Some of you didn't have tables at all. You just held, some, held a cracker and some juice in your lap. Maybe there was no bread or juice, yet it's still communion. When we provide a place for another person to encounter the grace of Jesus through us, we're providing communion. One of my favorite preachers is a man, his name was Fred Craddock. He passed away several years ago. Fred Craddock told the story of being on a train in Germany back in the late 1960s. He said the train was absolutely packed with people and he finally found a place to sit down. One of those, one of those little cabins, one of those, those little seats off to the side, little compartments. And after he sat down, an, old, an elderly lady came and asked if she could have the other seat. And he said, well, of course. Now he says he knew just enough German to have about a half conversation with her. He was able to say it sure is a nice day and he was able to understand her response and they, they talked back and forth. Uh, she, he was able to ask where, where she was from. She immediately knew that he was an American just from his manner and his accent. He asked her where she was from and she said she was from Rostock. Now, Rostock, keep in mind this is before the wall had come down. That's on the communist side of Germany. And so Craddock asked her the question, are you a communist? And she said, no, I am a Christian. And they began to have a conversation. And she said, my grandchildren tell me that America is a happy place. This was, again, the late 60s. We'd had a couple of assassinations, right? We'd had a lot of unrest due to the Vietnam War. And Craddock said, it's not a very happy place right now. And the lady said, no, I think America is a very happy place. Because you don't throw your old women away in America. And he said, what do, you, what do you mean? And she explained to him that when she had gone to the officials to get papers to leave the communist side and come to the free side of Germany, they stamped her papers, handed them back to her, and she asked the guard, what if I don't come back? What happens if I decide not to come back? And he laughed. And he said, oh, you'll be back. But even if you don't, 
Who cares? You're just an old woman. Just an old woman. Just a woman of the city. Just a sinner. Just a drunk at some airport terminal. Who cares? And Jesus tells us. Luke tells us. Who cares? Verse 44. Then turning to the woman, Jesus said to Simon, Do you see this woman? Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water to wash my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins which are many are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. And then those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, well, who is this? Who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. There are people you will encounter in life who are on a trip. There are people you will encounter in life who are on a long journey and they have packed their disappointment. They have packed their shame. They have packed their guilt. They have packed their fear. And they will get to a terminal point on that trip where they lay everything out and try to decide what they can take with them from that point on. When you encounter them on that trip, you make sure they encounter Jesus. When someone shows you their hurt, you show them your Savior's love. It was July 1st, 2010. Getting very close to sunup. We had spent the night there at the airport. The ticketing agents would arrive soon. The TSA agents would be arriving to inspect all of our baggage. The lights would be coming back on. I didn't have a lot of time left. And I got to tell you this, that this was the days before streaming music. You know, streaming music today where every song that's ever been written is on your phone right now. If you wanted a song on your, on your, well, you didn't have it on your phone. If you wanted a song on your computer, you had to download it. You had to download it and keep it there. And I always kept a few songs downloaded on every laptop I ever had so that when I was working, I'd have something to listen to, you know, just something to keep myself entertained while I was working. I always kept a variety of songs, very eclectic musical tastes. But ever since you could do it, there's one song I've had on every computer I've ever owned. And that song is Brandy. <laughs> by the band Looking Glass. And so with a few minutes left, I took my laptop out of my baggage. I turned it on. And I said, I'm sorry. I'm sorry you're having a rough night. I know this is all new to you. And I hope you make your flight okay. And I hope you have a wonderful time with your husband. And I want you to know this. I have always loved that song and I always keep it with me wherever I go. Thank you for giving me a new reason to love that song. I clicked play and I slid my finger up to turn the volume up. And she and I sat there in that airport terminal and we listened to Brandy. <laughs> we listened to a song about a lonely barmaid who waits for her sailor to come back to her, but he never, he never does. And there was no bread. There was no wine. There wasn't even a table. But Jesus was there. And somehow we had communion in the airport terminal that night.
on that train ride. Friend Fred Craddock said he noticed his stomach was beginning to grumble and he remembered he had a sandwich in his pocket. He pulled it out and unwrapped it. And it was one of those German bread sandwiches, you know, the thick and hard bread. And he's trying to break the sandwich over his knee because if he's going to eat it, he's going to have to share it with the lady. He broke the sandwich over his knee. He looked up and she had pulled an orange out of her bag and she had peeled it and she had pulled it in half. She gave him half an orange. He gave her half a sandwich. She said, God, go with you. And he said, and God, go with you as well. Reflecting on that story, Craddock says, it was just a sandwich and an orange, but I could have sworn we had communion on that train that day. You come here every week to the table. But every day, you take the table with you. Every day, you take the table back with you. Every day, you bring Jesus to people you encounter. They're going to show you their hurts. They're going to show you what they lack. And they're going to show you the things that they've been carrying that they should have put down a long time ago. Things that have weighed them down way too much. And wherever that encounter happens, you'll find a table. You bring Jesus with you. And when someone shows you their hurt, you show them your Savior's love. Now, in just a moment, we're going to sing Commune With Me. We're not going to sing Brandy, unfortunately. And it's an invitation for us to come to the table to bring your sin, to bring your hurt, to bring your failure, all that extra baggage that you just don't have room for. And to tell people who are also bringing their baggage, I will meet you there. I will meet you here. And I will show you through my love for you, my acceptance of you, and my forgiveness of you, I will show you that Jesus is here too. Let's pray. Father, whether it's this table, whether it's the table at home, whether it's a coffee table, a table in a, in a restaurant, or whether there's no table at all, I pray that when we encounter those who are hurting, when we encounter each other, that we'll be mindful that we have an opportunity for them to encounter You. And so as we come to take the bread and the, and the cup, as we come to remind ourselves of the presence of Your Son, remind us constantly of His presence with us. And that as we encounter those who are hurting, we have the gift of welcoming them to Your table and showing them Your love. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.